hello. It's Friday evening. It's Greg here, and we have another episode, episode 80 of Brigham Young Money. Thank you again for tuning in. Jordan, we got Jordan on board, as well as uh, Christina Rossetti. Can you say hello to the listeners, Christina? Hi, thanks for having me. Yeah. Can give the uh, listeners a little bit of a an intro about yourself. I know it says on your Instagram, which is at Christina Marta R. My Twitter. My Instagram is highly Oh, I'm private. sorry. My Twitter. <laughs> your Twitter. Christina Marta R. She is a PhD uh, in Mormon fundamentalism, sexuality, and criminalized religion, at least based off your Twitter bio. Yeah, um, I have a PhD in religious studies. Um, I study Mormon fundamentalism, the Mormons who still practice polygamy. Um, and I'm interested in religion and sexuality. And I'm also interested in the criminalization of certain religious practices. Uh, I did a lot of work on the decriminalization bill in Utah that passed the legislature in 2020. Um, so that's kind of my thing. Nice. What uh what got you into kind of the the Mormon sphere? Oh man. Um I was really interested in the 19th century and um when I started grad school, I took a class on um I took a independent study with the professor that became my advisor on American communal utopias. So we did like the Shakers and Oneida and like all of the all those 19th century religions. And I read rough stone rolling and I was like, this is it. This is the one that'll, that'll do it. Yeah. We often say on this, on this podcast that there isn't a more perfectly American religion than Mormonism. Kind of like the, th you, if you, if you think it, you can be it, you can create it. It's also like as capitalistic a religion as, possible you know and i think like under brigham, under brigham. joseph yes. was a little yes under brigham L lots of things change we're gonna get into that uh very much on this episode how things changed and how under <laughs> under brigham young yeah yeah um and i would recommend if anyone's interested in how uh, capitalism played a role in the changing of mormonism highly recommend david walker's railroading religion um, he did a whole he wrote a whole book on how mormonism becomes an american religion through the implementation of the railroad and through brigham young's support of american capitalism highly recommend that's definitely going to go on the amazon list okay perfect <laughs> yeah i'm going to go <laughs> i'm going to probably order that book after I get offline, incredible stuff. Jordan, what's up, man? Oh, not a whole lot. I uh, watched the worst documentary I've ever seen in my life uh, today, so that was fun. Bleeding um, from my eyes and ears. I, I'm dead serious. I There's probably 40 to 50% of that I just completely disassociated through. Just like, you saw my eyes open, nothing behind them. Done. Out. Yeah. Uh I mean, we're going to get into it, but it does kind of feel like like it. the entire documentary is the Mormon version of 9-11 is an inside job. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty much all of like Kevin Costner's character from JFK if the entire movie was just him giving his dialogue from the trial and nothing else. <laughs> I mean, if we could have gotten Oliver Stone to maybe give some directorial tips, 
Man, should have been, should have been HBO. Should have been HBO. It should have been like you said. It, you you had a whole tweet thread about breaking <laughs> it down, which I can't recommend. People who are listening to this podcast go to Benedict, Benedict Cumberbatch as Joseph Smith, Joaquin Phoenix as Hiram. I mean, is there a more Jokerified character than Hiram Smith? <laughs> Hire me, HBO. Who would play like Brigham Young and Sidney Rigdon, though? Those are the two characters I would love to see just because. I, I want to see a fully bearded John Goodman as Brigham Young. Ooh, that might be good. Or like I, um, the guy that played Lincoln. Daniel Day-Lewis? Oh. Daniel, yeah, but I mean like Daniel Day-Lewis can play anything. So I can't. I so can't, can Meryl like, Streep. She can, right. be, she can be John Taylor. Yeah. Meryl <laughs> Streep, John Taylor. We have. All right. HBO got the check. Yeah, Daniel Day Lewis just playing like Daniel Plainview, but as Brigham Young, I think that might actually kind of be perfect. <laughs> I think Willard, Willard Richards is the bummer character because at the end, I don't want to spoil it, but no one even cares. <laughs> None of us have mentioned Willard Richards. Yeah, I don't like. I kind of knew who Willard Richards was before this podcast. In like. Or even and and before watching this documentary, in that I have heard the name before, but that's like that's where it ends. And like both Jordan and I grew up in the church, and both of us grew up in Utah County, like born and bred in the shit. Yeah, he was permanent. Like he was also their status. Like no matter what seminary church lessons doesn't matter. Like yeah, John Taylor was there, and also someone else. It doesn't matter. Just moving on, and that was it. Like the poor guy just is stuck in the dustbin of history until some weirdos just decide to dig it up. It's like eh, actually, uh, he played a pretty pivotal point and uh, may have sort of changed the trajectory of a lot of things. I was like, okay, sure. He's to Joseph Smith's clan as like you God is to the Wu Tang clan. He's the main character though <laughs> now. He is. I mean, he really is the main character of this movie, just because like he's Kaiser Soze of this like documentary. <laughs> That's what we need. We need a usual suspects like remake, but it's just who killed Joseph Smith. Yeah, Joseph Smith is is Billy uh, whatever Baldwin was in it. They think Daniel was in it, and I think yeah, Hiram would be uh, Sydney. I forget who else is in Usual Suspects. There's what, Benicio del Toro. Sure, him. Perfect. Yeah, perfect. Yeah. I think I, a Secession Crisis movie would be really cool, though. It would be amazing. It would absolutely be amazing, and we'll. Get- I know. If HBO did it, HBO has to do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, we need we need like a real life like uh, story origin story of Mormonism done by HBO. I would love a Succession Crisis HBO, but then like the Bicker Tonight's are the winners at the end. <laughs> Didn't they win? We're going to get started with a script right after this. They're the third largest, so I mean, they kind of won. They still survived. I mean, you're not hearing from third the... Lar- third largest Mormon group. Yeah, you're, not, you're not hearing from the Strangeites anymore, so I mean... Uh. Well, uh, except we did because we watched a documentary that was largely produced by them. Yeah. Yeah, the... So. They didn't get a dollop episode like the Strangeites did, so I guess that kind of works out for them. Do you want to do your hell lines? Greg? Oh, yeah, let's. We got a lot to talk about on this episode, so I'm. This is going to be a lightning round of the Hell Lions. I got, I got four real good ones for us. Yeah, I'm not even going to do the you drop. Hit the drop. Let's just get right into it. 
All right. We can <laughs> I got we complaints can about the drop. You got pff, Nobody has any fun anymore. It, it might have been just because I kind of messed up the audition and definitely just cranked up the sound on it. So it probably blew out a couple of <laughs> car stereos, but that's neither here nor there. We'll, we'll, we'll deal with that later. All Greg, right. hit it. Hellline number one, um, if you haven't heard, folks, uh, Havana syndrome is officially a hoax. Havana syndrome out, tummy aches in. Uh, you know, the so funny this- thing about that is I kind of think it's a little real and that like people definitely feel like they had it. But like it just wasn't like ray guns from like the Cubans or the Russians. It was just like one, it's either the crickets or two, it's just like psychosomatic sort of feelings that uh don't feel good or you know you work for the cia and you like have a terrible job doing war crimes and like you have to i don't know like drink yourself to sleep most nights and you wake up with a tummy ache <laughs> that, that probably uh, more in the state department i think yeah. Anyway, so the official ruling uh, from the CIA is that they have ruled out the mysterious symptoms known as Havana syndrome um, as the result of a sustained global campaign by a hostile power. The agency has found plausible alternate explanations, which have been conveniently uh, conveniently left out. So it's those, it's those you know, damn crickets. I'm telling you. <laughs> big watch that's this space energy you know i think we got to get our boy evan mcmullen on and he can uh he can tell us more i don't think he's gonna come on with us I, we're gonna I make gotta, it happen. i got a hunch about i'm gonna that. try we're gonna try <laughs> all right i'll reach out he, i'm on the mailing list for some reason <laughs> i was too until i unsubscribed uh hellline number two the u stands for under investigation BYU is under federal investigation for how it disciplines its LGBTQ plus students. Uh, the U.S. Department of Education has launched an investigation into Brigham Young University and how it disciplines LGBTQ, or LGBTQ plus students to determine whether the private religious school is violating their civil rights. BYU uh, has put out a statement saying it is religiously exempted from Title IX requirements, which, you know, kind of gives up the game right there. I think at a certain point for a lot of it, it's just because like since BYU takes on federal funding for grants and for student loans and things like that too, the argument is whether or not that they have to follow some of these like guidelines that's found in title 10 and also within like non-discrimination clauses. But I don't know. We'll see what the department of justice, uh, I'm not department of justice. Is it department of justice or department of education? It's department of education. That's right. Oh, we got love, Provo. Again, don't we? big, uh, big watch the space energy right here in uh, beautiful Utah County. All right, hellline number three: COVID, more like Provid. Today, the Utah le- legislature they passed SJR three uh, with a forty-five to twenty-nine vote, immediately terminating the mask mandate statewide, despite COVID being at its highest marks. Uh, ever so far in this pandemic uh, and cases frequently reaching up to 10,000 people um, we, a day. We hit another here. record of hospitalizations today in the state. Like we I sure did. So, you know, it, it's perfect timing. And also it's funny too, that it was 45 to 29. Cause I thought it would never be that close. Like I didn't think it was going to be that close either. I thought like 74 and Oh, I thought we were looking at like, like a, like a, 
2016 uh, Golden State Warriors type record for the for the vote. Well, that's the funny unintended consequence of a lot of the new like congressional maps I just put out not that long ago is that by by what they did, they made a lot of like the Salt Lake County districts a lot more swing districts than they used to. So while the congressional maps were just completely just egregious, the actual like state legislature maps put a lot of people in play that weren't in play before. So I think yeah. that's why you saw that number go up a lot more than you had in the past. So that's but fun. does it but does it matter if the if the if the number goes up, but it's still not enough? Um it's still not enough to a certain point, but also like this isn't veto proof like the other the past ones were. So, I mean, this is like the type of one you could probably put pressure on Cox. He won't do it. He's going to sign it. But like, of course he will. <laughs> but yeah, it's a uh, it's kind of interesting how that could kind of play into play in a little bit further in the future, I yeah. guess. Yeah, again, watch this space. It'll be it'll be interesting. But in the meantime, no masks anywhere. And we're just going to continue to just rage. Uh, Hell line number four. What's up? Oh, nothing. Oh, <laughs> okay. We can edit this out. I just heard you say, whoa. And I thought I was missing something. Hell line. <laughs> All right. So hell line number four to just put a bow on this thing. Uh, the Kirsten Cinematic Universe. An attempt by Democrats to change filibuster rules in order to pass a voting bill failed amid opposition from Democrat or moderate Democrats, Senators uh, Joe Manchin and Kirsten Cinema. The vote was 42 or 52 to 48, with the two moderates joining all GOP senators. After the vote failed, there was a loud round of applause from Republicans. Like it's really cool that we were all told, you know, vote blue no matter who. We gotta we gotta win everything. Democrats got the the presidency, the house, and the Senate, and it it, it still doesn't matter. I, I saw this the other day, but there was a poll conducted in Arizona and Kirsten Cinema is polling eight percent favorability among like Arizona Democrats. Incredible. Which awesome. is like I, I don't know what her end game is at this point, too, just because like at a certain point you're gonna get primaried. Like uh, But do you do you need a plan when you are a manic pixie dream girl? I guess not. I mean I mean, she's going to make a shitload of money uh, selling LuLaRoe as soon as she's out of office. So, well, I mean, she she does have that sweet gig with the uh, direct selling association, the direct <laughs> selling caucus. So I guess that kind of works out for her. Yeah. Another, you know, just another incredible byproduct of Brigham Young University. <laughs> I, I always forget she went there and that like it's it, so perfect. It's so perfect that. Kirsten Cinema went there and is now like everybody's most hated wine mom. Oh, Greg, you want to talk about the worst documentary you've ever seen? Yeah, go ahead. Take it away. Let's do this. Sure. Um, <laughs> I don't know how we came across this. Was it you who showed it to me? I Oh, uh, yeah, I somehow I was I was not apologies, but I was not following Christina before I saw the thread. And the second, the second that I did, I was like, Oh shit, this is very much up our alley. And she was breaking down the documentary. And I was like, I don't know. It was like a junkie to heroin, man. I just like, you, you just threw that into the slack, like a hand grenade. Just be like, I was like, Oh yeah, we're doing an episode on this. And I don't want to hear (laughs) it. 
I remember just seeing so it too. A little, little peek behind the, the curtain, Christina. We, you know, we've got a running Slack group um, with a bunch of our friends, and then we have a separate channel with our, our just us Brigham Young Money Boys, where we're we're tossing around ideas for the shows all day and talking about how the world is awful all the time. And I saw your thread, and I was like, "Well, we got to do an episode on this." <laughs> I mean, like I'm, we're I'm mixing glad. we're mixing QAnon with Brigham Young with the like, JFK esque conspiracies. It's like the perfect. It it's just it's a perfect triumvirate. It's been my life for the last six months. Like when because I, I mean I wrote an article about it. I shared it with you. Yes, um, we're gonna go over that. People wouldn't. It, people didn't stop talking about it. It was probably the most like I've I've been really proud of the writing I've done academically. No one reads it. <laughs> I wrote this one thing and everyone was like this. It's, it's been hard. <laughs> I've written, I've worked so hard at academic writing. I write this one thing and people just don't stop. <laughs> it's just the way it works sometimes, I swear. Uh, do you want to take us through that article, by the way? Just, uh... uh, yeah. I mean, so like the background of it, which didn't, obviously make it into the article is I've been added to every Mormon Facebook group that exists, whether it like from everything from, you know, community of Christ Facebook groups to all the Mormon fundamentalist Facebook groups to far right, obviously Facebook groups. And there's this one that it is a mix of Mormons who love Jordan Peterson. That's kind of the baseline. So they they all make their bed and, and take benzos. Oh, well, you know, he's going going through a moment Um, that with it's like it's a mix of that mainly like that's the base with. But then it had a lot of people from like Latter-day Peace Studies, which they're a really great group to then. I don't know. And then a lot of people from this thing called Doctrine of Christ started coming in. And I had never heard of this group before. And all of a sudden I would see posts that would talk about you know, severely anti-Semitic conspiracy theories, letting me know that Brigham Young is, it, there was a lot that was like Brigham Young's actually a Jesuit, which like me as a Roman Catholic, I'm like, actually, that is n- not real. Um, just a, a, like a wide range of things, all of it really going back to the Jesuits, which I don't know. That's so wild. I, I wonder, Jordan, I'm wondering now if the CEO of Entrada, who just had to uh, step down because of his like crazy anti-Semitic vaccine uh, letter that he sent everyone in Utah. I wonder if he was a part of this Facebook group, because it seems like his beliefs in this group are are closely mirrored. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. Yeah, like when anti-Semitism pops up in Utah, it's the strangest thing because you have to find like where it like kind of grew from because it's 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 very strange because it's not like i don't know it's it's strange because like first of all brigham young was a methodist i don't fairly think he was either jesuit or like a jewish jewish agent at all certainly wasn't no no one was jesuit (laughs) it's also really weird because mormons are kind of weebos for jews yeah that also like the jesuits are my people like yeah we don't claim brigham (laughs) As you right, rightfully should not do that. <laughs> we don't. And yeah. and then and then I saw this quote of that Brigham Young was a Rothschild agent, and I oh. was like, I need to know 
everything about the belief system. I'm gonna I'm gonna read this. This is this okay. is uh, from a post I in, in one of these Facebook groups. Correct? Yes. Yeah. I saw, this is what led me to write the article. Yeah. So I'm not sure who the person this is who who typed this out, but uh, thank you for the content. Quote, I believe that Brigham Young was a Rothschild's agent sent to assassinate the Smith family and gain control of the church. The cabal have taken over every major religious institutions. Uh, the Book of Mormon warns against this, but modern day prophets don't even talk about it and also cover up a lot of what Joseph Smith taught. Wow, that's a lot there. And and to be and to give context to this, while this is happening, this person long had let me let me know that because I was vaccinated. Spoiler: I got the vaccine very early when I could. How dare um, for COVID. you? Well, I was told early on that I'm going to die within five days. You know the whole thing, <laughs> and so so this was already coming from a really hard anti-vax place. There was a lot of anti-mask. The same person was posting a lot of content that was already. You know, it was it was very QAnon. Yeah. And then this Facebook group had a couple people who were posting Q drops every single day. So I was I knew the Q content. Like I knew it. The blue dresses, everything. And so like the spirit cooking, all of it. Uh so then when I saw this, I was like, it's now it's it's now Mormon. Like it's now Mormonism. What is happening? That's amazing. Uh, that's that's some incredible stuff. <laughs> oh yeah, I think I, I I haven't been on anywhere near the amount of like Facebook groups as you, but I think the only one I've ever decided to venture into was like that Latter Day Saint for Health Freedom one or something like that. That one was a ooh, that was a treat. But luckily, I think they kept that coming fairly contained from like the Q stuff. And you, I think like I think what's hard is like I mean, and I tell my students this all the time. Like, and I put it in the article that like, it's so easy for us to kind of like laugh it off. But then we remember, like, I think it's like 15% of America believes in QAnon. Yeah. Oh yeah. You know, we've and, gone... and 15, like 15 is a small, that's, that's, a, that's a small number. 15%. We can like write it off. Like that's tiny. But then you realize that's 15 out of a hundred people. Yeah. Like it's, that's a, it's a, like, I think it's, it should be a sobering reality of like, this is a lot these are our, our doctors. These are our lawyers. These are our grocers. These are our dentists. These are our kids' teachers. Like, yeah. it's a lot. We've done uh, we've done multiple episodes on uh, Tim Ballard and Operation Underground Railroad and the crossover between his organization and uh, QAnon and Q adjacent spaces, as well as multiple episodes on uh, the Desnat movement Ooh. and the amount of like far right conspiracy theories that are. Uh, <clears throat> circulated among those groups. And so like when you're on line as much as Jordan and I are, which is a bit pathetic, but also we have day <laughs> jobs and, and, you know, we work at desks. So what else are we going to do? Um, like it's, it's not super surprising, but then at the same time, there are always times where like, we'll be in the slot group and we'll be like, holy shit, like this is a real thing. And like these people live 45 minutes away from us. Yeah. And I, I think it's been like one of those, it's not just like a new phenomenon either too, like far right fundamentalism in like the church, especially in like Utah and Idaho have been around for decades. I remember like I grew up right across the border in Idaho and like, I remember there was a John Birch float in my, our local parade, oh, man. Uh, 
Bo Greitz almost beat Bill Clinton in 1992. It's just, it's, you have things like this and like, it's no wonder that 15% of people believe this because I think for a long enough timeline, it's kind of been tolerated and allowed to just fester. And at a certain point, it's just going to mutate into something even worse. And I think it's finally the chickens have come home to roost. Well, I think and people are like interested in QAnon, so people are going to pay attention to this. But people forget that, you know, in 1978, when the LDS church lifted the priesthood ban, we kind of all imagine that as a really positive thing because we would... I'm assuming all agree that that was a very positive step yes. for the church. Um, what we forget is thousands of people left the church over it yeah. and there were, and there were Mormon groups waiting for them. And a lot of thousands of people joined the apostolic United brethren. People became Mormon fundamentalists and there were groups waiting. And this is a very similar phenomenon that there are groups waiting for people to leave because the church is becoming too liberal, which again seems surprising <laughs> to a lot of people who are listening or to, all of us, but the reality is Mormon groups form every day waiting for people to think the church is too liberal. And I think as when you break down uh, like Mormon ideology, the, you know, there really is one of the, I mean, one of the big, um, I guess, uh, one of the things that makes it most attractive is that it answers a lot of those questions that a lot of us ask, like it gives people purpose. Um, and on the flip side of that, it's also very end of days, you know, like it, it lends its hands to the book of revelations and, you know, what happens when, you know, Mormons believe that one day Jesus is going to come back and the world is going to end and we're all going to end up in like whether whatever kingdom you're in. And I think, you know, when you get things like like QAnon and other far right conspiracy theories, it's it's almost like an accelerationist kind of a thing where it's like, yeah, this is this is the the Gadiat and robbers again. This is the secret combinations. Um, these are the you know, the Lamanites coming to take over again. And, and I think that there is a lot of crossover there and correct me if I'm wrong. And if I'm, you know, if I've got my tinfoil hat on, but as I'm trying to just like connect these dots, I can understand, I certainly do not, uh, co-sign or defend any of these beliefs, but it's easy to kind of put the pieces together and understand why people think this way. Yeah. I mean, I think the, the big one is that, and it's why I mentioned in the article, I mentioned Denver Snuffer, and I got I got a lot of pushback from remnant people in my DM, in my Facebook DMs because of it. But I think it's true that I think he's a logical place to start with the story because Mormonism teaches continuing revelation. It teaches that all mm -hmm. people can receive revelation. But more importantly, if you're a man in the LDS church, your priesthood isn't different from Russell M. Nelson's, right? It's not. Right. And so there's kind of a way that Mormonism allows for gaining your own understanding in a way that a lot of other, other religions don't. Like I'm Roman Catholic and I got in an argument with someone in this Facebook group <laughs> about this very thing that he was like, well, what if God tells you something? And I'm like, well, I, if it doesn't follow the magisterium, then I'm, I'm going to not, you know, broadly proclaim it as truth to the world. And that's a key difference, I think, between many religions and Mormonism, that Mormonism allows for individual revelation in a way that can eventually become this quote about the Rothschilds. And it's hard to dispel it when you're taught from a young age that continuing revelation is true and your priesthood is really no different than the leaders of the church. And you can be the prophet one day, like anyone, both of you right. could have been like you all could, you could have been general authorities one day. What did you do? Uh, I just, 
it's I I just got bored. I think I don't know exactly. Um, you know a, what? Like, I, I know exactly what it is. I left Provo for the liberal bastion known as Park City, Utah, mm-hmm. and the devil in just completely infiltrated my soul. And <laughs> it's never. I've just never been the same since. Oh no! I I remember what it is now. I joined the army and actually left Utah. That, uh, that, that kind of helped. Um, yeah, I got my uh, patriarchal blessing at Fort Benning, Georgia, like 10 feet away from a subway because we had church services in the rec center there. It was fun. Amazing. Um, <laughs> you lasted longer than I did, man. I never got my patriarchal blessing. Well, here's the thing. Oh. I got mine. <laughs> let me explain. I got mine done because it kept me away from drill sergeants longer. Because like they would ask you like which church service you want to go to, you, you can go to all the other ones, but the Mormon ones too. I was like, I'm that. That's cool. <laughs> I can do that. It's like that scene in Vice when Dick Cheney decides he's going to be a Republican. Yeah, it was just like a, another hour away from someone yelling at me. All right, I can I can live with that. That's Perfect. fine. Um, but, but even even along the line of patriarchal blessings, I know someone whose patriarchal blessing actually says and of course he became a fundamentalist because his patriarchal blessing says you're the one mighty and strong oh like that is setting up like that of course like i can just imagine the patriarch it comes out of his mouth and he's like what have i done but that what is supposed to happen then with that with that kid bro it's supposed to happen go be a power lifter yeah i mean yeah you're setting that person up for failure too just because like what what is that person supposed to do with that information like they're gonna go supposed to be the one mighty and strong yeah congratulations you're gonna go pull that sword out of a stone congratulations you're congratulations young simba (laughs) yeah and it's it really is incredible too you think about that and i think wild and also just like and not to sound like too Ted Kaczynski here or anything like that too, but like the internet was a horrible thing to happen for fundamentalism or a good thing, depending on which side you're on it. Oh, I, you know what? I tell people every day that the biggest kind of bummer about the internet is that what used to be anti-Mormon literature is just proselyting material for fundamentalist Mormonism. Like kids learn all the time. Like Joseph taught polygamy, Brigham taught Adam as God. Yeah. <clears throat> And they're just that that is why people join the fundamentalist movement is because they read anti-Mormon literature and then they go find the religions that actually still teach that. Yeah. And and they can organize online, too. Like it used to be just like the person uh, like fast and testimony meeting who would go up there and just say some outlandish stuff. And then the bishop would give them a little tug on their jag. It's like, go, go, go sit down. You, you, you've said enough, like wrap it up, but you don't have that anymore. You don't have that sort of like even moderating force of like someone who can be like, please don't say that ever again up here on, on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram or anything that you, you can just go completely off the walls. Reddit, 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 Reddit especially. Oh man. Reddit. Or, yeah. or I mean, I I can't tell you how many like in Facebook groups, in Mormon Facebook groups, how many 4chan posts I see. Oh, oh, that doesn't surprise me at all. Especially like we did a we did an episode a couple of months back with uh, a friend of ours who had access to the Desnat Discord server, mm-hmm. and the things that were posted there. Yeah, it was like it was like straight 4chan QAnon, like every type of just like terrible nazi propaganda you could imagine spanning the glow like spanning everything from like we should kill trans people to like was hitler actually good yeah brigham I'm did blo- nothing I'm blocked wrong by 
I'm I'm blocked by all the Desnats. <laughs> We're working on it. Uh, yeah. So there's that. I told I I, I, T- Tanner Guzzi got mad at me because I said he put the fashion fashionista. <laughs> and now he won't talk to me anymore. Sir, well, sir, that is Deseret News columnist Tanner <laughs> Guzzi. <laughs> I really think, though, we should kind of rewind the tape back and talk a little bit about uh, Snuffer and then, of course, Phil Davis. So from your article um, states that the LDS Church's central claim of restoration necessitates something lost and restored. This is birth Denver Snuffer's remnant movement that preaches of an authentic Mormonism that was lost after the death of Joseph Smith. Um, when authentic Mormonism is a claim about the transformation of Mormonism under Brigham Young into a polygamous and theocratic institution that was unknown to Smith. So this, of course, is that, that anti-polygamist movement that we've talked about yeah. a little bit already. Yeah. Um, I mean, Denver Snuffer has a presentation that it, it happened pretty, I mean, Denver is, Denver's smart and he knows the history really well. And that's something I, I'll say to his credit. He's also, he's an attorney, like he's smart. Like he's not, you know, he's a smart yeah. guy. He knows how to research. He does. And he does a presentation called, was there an original? And I've seen it live in, you know, in yeah, you mentioned that in the, in the, in the article. Yeah, I've, I've seen Denver present this multiple times. Um, and he makes the claim that when Joseph Smith died, Brigham kind of destroyed the church, whether it be polygamy, whether it be the theodemocratic vision of Deseret, Adam God doctrine, even the priest, priesthood ban, everything bad goes to Brigham. Um, but Denver kind of argues that Joseph created this idealistic religion where anyone could talk to God and the spiritual gifts were happening. But also what Denver kind of really brings back, especially in his books, he wrote the book, um, like a book on the second comforter. And he brings, he really kind of revives this tradition of being able to have your calling and election made sure. And so people read this book, he ends up getting excommunicated for this, but people read this book and he walks you through how to receive the second comforter, how to have your calling and election made sure. And even though he's excommunicated, a lot of groups form around him, around this idea. Um, they're called remnant fellowships. They meet in homes. Um, and a lot of people are still LDS, but they go to his group. And so he revives this tradition of you can talk to God. You can know for certain that you are going to attain your exaltation. You don't need the church anymore. Wow. Oh, Okay. And, it's, and and I can't overstate, I talked to, um, for anyone interested in this, like Peggy Fletcher Stack of the Tribune has done a lot of work on this. Um, I talked to her about it, with, about this article. Um, it can't be overstated. Uh, Denver Snuffer's movement is growing rapidly. People, and, and I think, and it's people from both the left and the right. It's not just far right people. It's a lot of, because Denver Snuffer's movement is open to LGBTQ people. Denver Snuffer's movement is open to the possibility of women's ordination. So from all sides, people are gravitating toward this kind of more, I guess, libertarian is the word way of being Mormon, where you don't need an institution anymore. So it's just like Mormonism based on vibes. Yes. I I honestly kind of get that to a certain extent, too, because like. We have a person ready to be baptized right here. (laughs) Get him in the water. Greg is just like Willie from that episode of The Simpsons of the Unitarians, too. It's like, Willie still loves you. If there are two things I love more than anything, it's libertarianism and the LDS church. 
So sign me the fuck up. Well, I mean, it makes sense to a certain extent too. Like if you're a person who's been marginalized by like church doctrine in the past too, whether you're a woman or a person of color or LGBTQ or something, and there's another movement out there that says like, actually you do matter. And actually we can give you the ability to reach exaltation and actually matter in like a religious context. Like that is fertile ground. And also, I mean, I know a lot of people who are part of remnant fellowships who are great people who are just very devout people who are completely normal. Like I want to emphasize that about remnant fellowships and Denver's movement. I think Denver's movement is really diverse and it's kind of hard to track like what's happening. Um, But it it spans the whole range, kind of the very far end being what we're about to talk about with Phil Davis. But I know people who are part of the remnant, remnant fellowships that are rad people who are just like, yeah, I'm Mormon, but the institution wasn't working for me and me and my family do it this way now. And it's just whatever. Yeah, honestly, that sounds a lot better than like having to go to church for three hours every week <laughs> and like wear weird underwear. Um, okay, we, just again, rewinding the tape back, um, we've talked about it a bit already, but that that remnant for the most part uh, is, is fairly uh, apolitical. Mm-hmm. until phil davis comes along correct and, and yeah and i and i mentioned i mean one of the big critiques i got was that like there's no way to know that phil knows denver and that's true but the reason i put him in there is a lot of the people i know who ended up latching onto the phil davis movement were once remnant, remnant. People. okay so yeah. like even if they don't know each other they're definitely adjacent yeah, people who are going to follow Phil Davis likely were interested in Denver at one point. Yeah, so they are like part of the Mormon cinematic universe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> yes. So, yeah, uh, again, Remnant was largely apolitical until Phil Davis, an LDS member and small batch chocolatier from Provo, Utah, my my hometown, up the ante with the Doctrine of Christ movement. And the Doctrine of Christ movement, according to your article, takes the snuffer claim a step further, arguing that Brigham Young had the priesthood revoked in the 1830s after supposedly murdering Joseph Smith. Correct. And it says, earlier this year, the movement linked uh, the perceived apostasy of the LDS church to political claims that circulated in conspiracy circles, circles, beginning with the church's endorsement of, quote, globalist agendas and promotion of the, quote, secret combinations that control the COVID-19 narrative. The virus, uh, according to this uh, DOC, this Doctrine of Christ movement, the virus and the subsequent vaccine is a part of the, quote, arc tyrant plan to depopulate. 90% of the earth. Yeah. Um, I mean, if anyone's been to taste in Provo, have you been to taste? I have not. It's, I, I try, I try not to go there. I mean, and if I do, I am almost always eating at Bam Bam's barbecue. Okay. Well, taste is great. I want to be clear. Phil Davis is no longer associated with taste. I have had their chocolatiers reach out to me to let, to like really drive it home. And I want to be clear that he's no longer affiliated. He now, he now runs small batch chocolate. He is still a chocolatier, um, but he was once the chocolatier of taste, which is really well known in Provo. Yeah, and I mean, I've heard of it, I, and I and I know of it. I just have not. Yeah. I have yet. Have, I have yet to partake. They have these like flavored vinegars that you mix with like soda. They're great. I don't Ooh. know. I don't know. They're really good. <laughs> but, You're going to lure me back down to Utah County for like the first time in like five oh. years, and I don't. I'm not ready for that yet. No, just as, as a complete side note, I'm going to take this on a total tangent, but I'm, my wife and I are planning on, 
uh, we're working towards going to Italy in a couple of months. So we're watching, we're doing a bunch of research and watching a bunch of food documentaries. And I saw this, this, uh, uh, I forgot the exact region is, I think it's like Modena or Moderna, Italy, which is where you get your balsamic vinegar from. And there was this guy having this like very luxurious dessert where he got this, uh, vanilla gelato with like this 25 year aged balsamic vinegar and olive oil on top of it. And I'm, I told my wife then I was like, we're, I don't care how far we have to travel. I'm getting this exact thing and I'm going to eat all of it. <laughs> it's basic. Yeah. That's what taste is. Yeah. Okay, well then, apparently I don't need to go to four hours outside of Venice. I'm just going to go to Provo. Greg, uh, yeah. Greg, what are you doing this weekend? You want to go get a taste or, you know? <laughs> my Sunday is wide open. I don't know if they're open on Sunday, but... I, uh, I doubt oh. it. My guess is probably not, but uh, I don't know. Maybe I'll just ditch my family tomorrow. We're supposed <laughs> to go to the ice castles, but I, I think Aww. I'd rather go eat chocolate. It's, it's, I'm, t I don't know. I've only been once before I ever learned about this story years ago and it's, it's good, but, but also someone became the prophet there. So you can't get that in Italy. Hey, I got my patriarchal blessing right next to a subway. It happens. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing quite like getting a divine blessing from God and then going for like, I don't know, like a six inch meatball. I could I could smell like the uh, vinegar from like the from like the stand there. It was like, all right. I you don't could think smell it. the yoga mat bread. Yes, exactly. <laughs> ugh. Oh, ugh. Took, took me out of the moment. It's kind of sad. Oh man. Ugh. All right, let's all right. move on to this so movie. We should. We really should move on. So but Phil Davis is a prophet, and it's, it, he the chocolate thing, and it's important because the movie maker is part of this movement. Oh, so him and Phil Davis are homies. Yes. And okay. I, yes. So Phil Davis received really kind of adopts these ideas and really spreads them rapidly. So everyone, when I first learned about all of this, this movie, QAnon becoming a, like part of doctrine of Christ doctrine, that's all from Phil Davis. And then ultimately this man who ends up making this movie joins this group. So doctrine of Christ is growing. People are joining this. Oh my. Again, I can't say like, after QAnon and Desnat and, and, and just over the past five years, I just, I totally believe it now. Not that I like believe in the QAnon, but I totally understand why people do. And I think ultimately for a lot of people when it comes to conspiracy theories is that it's much easier to subscribe to a certain conspiracy theory and have that explain why things are so awful than actually facing reality. Yeah, and I'm going to do another plug for an academic book because that's my life. Uh, Susanna Crockford wrote a book on Sedona, um, but she coined conspirituality and the way that spirituality kind of amalgamates with conspiracy. And the last, and I highly recommend anything that she has written on conspiracy theory and religion because she's like the person for that. Excellent. We're going to start a book club. <laughs> I'm so excited. No, like I'm legitimately excited about this kind of stuff because this is, again, like straight up our alley. So anyway, after reading your article and, and as you were writing, kind of the way that you put the bow on the article was like, hey, all this conspiracy stuff would make a great movie, which is why we're here to talk about 
one of the worst documentaries we've ever seen in our entire lives, and that is Who Killed Joseph Smith? You know, you say it was bad. I turned it into a date night with my Anglican priest boyfriend (laughs) who was like, what is what? I mean, he's a good sport, but... um, so, I mean, we both watch this as people who've never been Mormon. And, like, both of us know the history, obviously. Sure. But um, he probably – just seeing his reaction, he's like, the people – this is – oh. Isn't John Taylor the prophet at some point? What? Yeah. And and they make a point of, like, pointing it out later in the movie, too, because what they do is they tie it into the church altogether. And it's like, no, it's actually the structure that actually killed uh, Joseph Smith more than mm-hmm. any one man. It was the institution itself. And yeah. it's like, I don't care if anyone finds out they're going to be mad that I made this movie. It's like, well, first off, probably like 200 people are going to see this. And like, we're the three of us are probably a sizable chunk of that audience. So con- congratulations. Well, and that's what I've tried. I tried to really point out that this movie wasn't made for no. you. No. no. Uh, <laughs> no, it was, like, it's, no. It's, it's, a, it's a circle jerk documentary is what it is. Well, and I, and I, because people kept saying, to me like well what's the motive and I was like well if you're part of the group you know the motive already right like this wasn't like everyone who was watching the movie myself included knew the motive because it wasn't it was made for a very particular group of people who already have a very specific view of why they would do this sure yeah you're not like this isn't a documentary that's going to be convincing a ton of people although there were plans to air it at Thanksgiving point um I don't know who would have gone to that but I thought that would have been I mean I don't know if they ended up doing that but that would have been really interesting to hear reactions from just you know everyday members of the LDS church who aren't familiar with this I think yes. there would be a lot of uh alpha con crossover there just, just alpha con just, just accidentally stumbling we just into did an episode too. on alpha con they're great guys we love them it's it really is something else. Like it, it's definitely just trying to speak towards the, their own audience. Like it's not trying to like win anyone else over to, it's like a, you know what? We're strong. We believe in this and you know, we're not, we're not afraid to tell it to anyone. Yeah. And I, and it's hard. I think it, it's hard. Pol- Spoiler. It's about polygamy. Um, shocking. Um, what mm-hmm. is hard is the polygamy documents. The, the primary sources on polygamy are challenging to wade through. They are, um, there's a lot that isn't in the historical record. There's a lot that's kind of covered in the historical record. So like for all your listeners who don't know this, if you ever like look at the polygamy documents, if ever you see the phrase, um, Louisa, like Louisa Beeman, Louisa was with Joseph Smith was usually always stands for wedded and sealed. So it's in like coded language, but because it's in coded language, it makes it easy to deny polygamy. I think it's also just that it's 180 years ago. So the historiography of it all is just going to be, it's going to be a mess regardless. Yeah. Especially with an illegal practice. Especially so. And and I think that's where they try and like find that wiggle room too, because like there's not going to be a whole lot of primary sources from that one too, because one, the people who are going to carry out the murder aren't going to like. uh, (laughs) But what we have to remember is Many of Joseph Smith's wives did give sworn affidavits that they were married to him. To be able to make this movie, you have to discount the sworn legal testimony of a lot of people. Yeah. And the the thing I keep coming coming back to is like, A, like, what is this guy's certifications when it comes to like making – 
this documentary and like does he have some sort of like phd in like religious studies or mormonism or like is he a forensic scientist like there's no mention of the filmmaker's credentials outside of like he went to nauvoo a couple times and like graduated from byu he i i went to nauvoo i went to nauvoo with the history with one of the history you would love my mom I did. Uh, My mom of- loves Nauvoo. It's her favorite place. I love Nauvoo. I uh, did one of those puzzles you can buy at Macy's of Ma- Nauvoo. I, that's pretty close to being there. Um, I'm not exactly sure how close that puts me, but, um, but there was like a moment when their history consultant came on the screen, and I was like, so I, I ran a historical tour of Nauvoo for Sunstone, um, and he was there in the jail with me, and I was like, we listened to the same story obviously you had very different conclusions um yeah the, the, i think i think a mob killed joseph smith yeah i'm pretty sure a mob and like also that takes it to another point in two where he talks about like the five people who were tried for the weren't even there it's like they were the officers of the militia like that, that that's who you would try you're not going to try the entire town of warsaw like you're going to try like the commanders of the militia who said go kill them and yeah. like like Jordan and I were talking about it before we went live. It's like just trying to get into the mind of John Taylor, which spoiler alert, like this documentary says he did it. He's, he's the, no, no, no. Willard Richards did it, but none of us cared enough (laughs) to focus on that. John Taylor killed Hiram. Okay. Right. You're fair. Fine. (laughs) Anyway, John Taylor was involved in a murder. So whether you're Willer or John, like, what is your mindset like throughout all of this chaos and be like, hey, man, I, I got to be the trigger man. I got to do this. There's a huge angry mob that's like fighting downstairs and definitely want blood. But we got to do this for ourselves instead of, you know, just like going calmly in the night and like not, you know, having to deal with any sort of like, I don't know, murder charge. Yeah, I mean, and the, I just I have to say because my boyfriend, at like the fifty minute mark, he was like, "Is this movie who killed Hiram Smith?" Yeah. And then at like the twenty minute mark, we find out who killed Joseph, and it's like, and Willard looks like super creepy throwing him out the window. <laughs> like, I'm glad it I wasn't the only one who did it too, because just like just slowly shoves him out the window. It's like, and I was really I was really bothered by the use of poor wayfaring man of grief for it like oh, it just yeah. felt like in such really taste. really I, gross i haven't been involved in the church for like over a decade now and i even found that offensive it's like wow come on man it was rough it was rough but yeah i don't and especially like john taylor loved joseph smith yes they were they were best friends he would he loved like he believed in joseph they were or they were part of the same order of masons together when joseph like yells like Oh Lord and my God out the window. Like he was saying that to his fellow Masons primarily and John Taylor's there watching him die. I don't know. Yeah. John you, Taylor didn't kill him. Of course not. Like, like it, you, you have to like do so much like mental gymnastics to be like, yeah, actually the two guys that were in the room that were putting themselves in mortal danger to be with the Smiths as they like faced a mob. Yeah, they did it as, a, as opposed to just like, because the most likely thing is they looked out the window and was like, oh, our protective militia just left. That's not good. There was a so suppo- spoiler. 
I guess this is like special for your audience. There's a sequel coming. Why? Um, oh, why? yes. I cannot wait to kill more uh, brain cells. There's also going to be one about um, like the Civil War, I think. I don't know. I don't, I don't remember. But Oh, yeah. That's one of my favorite uh, Mormon conspiracy theorists or conspiracy theories is that like – oh. Other. Jordan, correct me if I'm wrong, but the one about the Civil War with like Abraham Lincoln was divinely inspired by Mormon God uh, and like well, that converted was t- to Mormonism after he died. Well, that was a Tim Ballard book, but yeah, regardless, uh, I, I think that's more. In, I'm correct me if I'm wrong, but that's more in reference to that Doctrine and Covenants uh, passage that Joseph Smith said, like there was going to be a war in South Carolina and all that, and people just attribute it to the Civil War as opposed to the fact that there was also like a succession crisis at that same point in South Carolina. Oh, I'm sorry, I misspoke. The movie is going to be called Section 87. Oh. That's not as much. Sorry. Fun. Coming April, 2022. I thought it was just going to be about like the, I, I honestly thought it was going to be like who killed Samuel Smith, but that's just me. Well, no, we have the answer to that. According to, they already answered. So that was kind of like a weird Easter egg in the movie is that they would say that it, that Brigham Young poisoned him. That's kind of an already answered question. Brigham Young was in Massachusetts. <laughs> I'm just telling you the background. Oh, I know. I, I totally understand that. It's just like, it's just like you hear these things like, yeah, Brigham Young had him killed. It's like, no, he didn't. He wasn't even in the same state. I mean, to be fair, I thought this movie was going to be about Brigham Young. I did too. I did too going into it. Cause I mean, that's especially like the trailer and everything. Like that's kind of what they nodded to. And like, yeah, no, no Brigham Young appearance. I was a bit disappointed, but it almost kind of, I don't know. I'll have to wait until the sequel, but I have a feeling that the end of the, the ultimate kind of story arc is going to be that John Taylor and Willard Richards did it for Brigham. That's what I thought. I was waiting for that, like that point to but be like, Brigham, but Brigham can't have blood on his hands because he's going to make a claim for succession for succession. Yeah. He can't have blood on his hands. Um, this is a very twisted, twisted pretzel and yeah. I am having a hard time wrapping my mind around all of it. <laughs> If, if this was going to be like one false swoop, like coup by the Brighamites to take care of like the Smiths and all that too, like there's so many moving pieces they let and like loose threads they left. Like it makes no sense. Like why wouldn't you also take out Signe Rigdon for one? Cause he's still a member of the first presidency. Like the argument is like the quorum of the 12 has the keys, but so does the first presidency. So why wouldn't you just take out the entirety of the first presidency? Well, Sydney's already kind of, you know, yeah, he's, he, what's the word? On the outs. Uh, you know how Sidney Rigdon kind of, uh, he loses it at the end. And that's why William Bickerton steps in. Yeah. I mean, Sidney. So like at this point, like, I don't think Sidney's a threat. No, not really. I mean, his <laughs> that's t- I'm saying. his title is a threat, but not the him threat in general. The threat is Alf- Alpheus Cutler's the threat. And no one cares enough about to, about this to like actually put him in the movie. Yeah, no. Alpheus Cutler's the real. The Cutlerites have the original endowment. Fun fact. They're the only ones. And no one ever talks about them in any of these movies. Yeah, because it gets boring after a while, too. It's like you have like people like Sidney Rigdon and Brigham Young hashing it out. That's a lot more fun because they're much more colorful characters. But the Cutlerites just kind of like fade to the background. Alpheus Cutler's original sword from the Nauvoo Legion is still next to James Strang's scepter from being king of Beaver Island in the same archive. Stop it. That is okay. I take that back. That is awesome. So that it's, I want to note that the, the main historian for the movie is a Strangite, 
Um, and so oh. the Strangites, of course, notably do not follow Brigham Young um, at the succession crisis. And so that's kind of an important, like people might watch this and be like, how are these people still LDS? We know from the end of the movie, spoiler, Justin Griffin is no longer LDS. Um, but the primary kind of historical person in the documentary is a Strangite. So that's that, hopefully that answers questions on like, how could you still be LDS and believe this? You, you, you aren't. That's, that is amazing of, of a lot of reasons. Um, I don't understand like the Strangites, like, uh, uh, claim for succession too, just because like I can understand every other groups like Sydney Riggins in the first presidency, Brigham's in the quorum of the 12, the reorganized church has the Smith lineage there. I still don't understand the, the string. I one. is it just because they had that letter or. Yeah. The letter that's in Yale that we know is a forgery. <laughs> they also, he also did the um, silver plates or the, the, not the silver. What are the, I don't know. The golden kind of plates? There. Nope, that's Joseph. Okay. What, the Kinderhook? Wait, no. No, uh, Strang translated like silver plates in Voorhees, Wisconsin. Knockoffs anyway, are never I as mean, good. Anyway, that's the James Strang story. But there's a really great book by Signature, King of Beaver Island. Uh, highly recommend. Signature book did a great document, did a great biography on him. But anyway, um, that's kind of significant is that the people who worked on the documentary are not our part. It, and a lot of it also, I, it, I can't stress enough, not only is it Strangite, but before Community of Christ became what we now know as Community of Christ, it was the, Restor- the Reorganized Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Um, when Community of Christ became Community of Christ, a lot of people disagreed with the changes Community of Christ underwent. And so people, there are there is a, a long history of people who remained RLDS. They're called like traditional RLDS. Um, and they still deny polygamy. So a lot of people, a lot of this movie really relies on traditionalist RLDS sources and, tradi- and really kind of the old RLDS arguments that we've kind of all heard for a long time and then kind of reimagines them to include John Taylor. Yeah. Wow. It does kind of seem like this this documentary, um, at least the sources and the people who are in it are all kind of part of the same crew. Like it's a bit of an echo chamber that way, and it doesn't really seem like it has a whole lot of dissenting opinions. Yeah, Hemlock Knots on Facebook. If anyone wants to like see what they're talking about, like that's where you find them. Jeez. Yeah, the whole documentary felt like we had a conclusion. We're just going to try and shape evidence to like kind of fit it. And like – I don't think there was a better part of that than like the ballistics testing they did too. It's like, Oh man, we don't have a musket. So we're going to use a, we're going to use a shotgun and just see exactly what it would do to like a human skull. It's like, uh, there's a, there's a lot of differences there between like a, a, <laughs> a, a slug from a 12 gauge shotgun that actually is like uses smokeless powder as opposed to what they were using in 1844. But you know, I'm not going to stop you. Go for it. You're, you seem to have like uh you Googled ballistics for a second and you figured out something, <laughs> but it's like, also, I don't think they were using muskets at the door. Like a, a musket's like 48 inches long. You're not using that like, beat down a door as like close to close, like close quarter combat at all. Like that was, I will like, say like in the documentary's defense though, every, both of you are like, I don't know where this, can, we can agree that in fairness, Joseph's facial wounds, the facial wounds are kind of questionable. Yeah, probably. I mean, sure. You could, 
Yeah. No, I, I, I mean, I, I can buy that. The, I mean, the reality is like, we don't know what happened. The truth. Right. We don't know what happened. No. It, I think it was a mob. I mean, I'll, I'll say that I do agree with the historical sources. I think the people at the Joseph Smith papers, et cetera, have done fantastic work on this. It was a mob. The, the wounds are a little weird. I think that's what kind of comes down to like the point of the documentary too, is that it was a gunfight. No one knows what happens yeah. in a gunfight. It's your adrenaline's rushing. You're trying to do anything. You're trying to just live. So you're not really yeah. taking a whole lot of mental pictures of everything. So yeah, there's a story from like, from like uh, Willard and John Taylor. And I don't think that they're really like reliable narrators when it comes to that too, just because no, no one really can possibly have a perfect memory of anything like that too, because your brain's not going to work. No, yeah, and not you're, accounting you're, for like the trauma. No. Yeah. And as, as they were breaking down the whole scenario, it kept giving me like flashbacks to that Seinfeld episode where Kramer gets spit on. You know, what? <laughs> by, by Keith Hernandez. <laughs> Yeah, the Keith Hernandez Lugie episode, which is basically just a riff of like the single bullet theory from JFK. Both of them had Wayne Knight. <sighs> no, it's it if, really... if only if only Carthage had a grassy knoll. <laughs> no, it's it, it's the windows, man. You just got to look at the windows. <sighs> Always looking to the windows. Also, in the documentary, did you notice that Joseph Smith's at the bottom of the windows, though he survived that fall? Yeah. Oh my God. I didn't put that together until now. <laughs> it, it was, it, yeah, you could tell things were going to happen. Like, especially like the first part of me, part of me thought that maybe they were going to go with like, he's in Argentina. Like, Oh, that would because, be so good. Yeah. But he like actually survived because at the beginning he's like at the bottom of Carthage and I like at the bottom of the wall. And I thought they, I thought it was, I thought maybe they were going to be like, he didn't actually die. Yeah. Joseph and Hiram decided to do butch casting Sundance kid in Bolivia. Just, uh, we're going to go down there. It, it works out. well. I thought, I thought, I thought there was a chance. Would have been amazing. I mean, but, that would have been the interesting claim to Lenny. She was like, actually, he didn't die. He moved here and started a different church. We're a member of that. I think that works out pretty well. And there are, I mean, there are Mormon groups who are starting in like Guatemala and Peru and Chile. So, I mean, why not? Sure. I mean, that makes sense to me. But, but yeah. I don't know. It makes the whole, I don't know, the whole thing about Israelites coming over to South America a bit more plausible. <laughs> Unless you're a Heartlander. True. Oh. Yeah. I've just I just I read I don't know if you like if you read the other the religion dispatch piece on the Heartlanders that Hannah Syriac did. Oh I haven't um, read that, yet. but I'm going to tonight. I, I recommend it, especially like reading her piece, I went down the rabbit hole and like one of the people that hosts all the Heartlander articles in his magazine, he's literally, literally the founder of the American Nazi party. Oh, incredible. <laughs> sure. That, oof. That, that, that's a weird turn there, but I, I kind of like it. That's actually going to be intriguing. So it's worth, it's worth reading. I, I uh, it sounds that way. I, I, I'm excited to read it now. So what was everyone's final thoughts in the movie too? Because the entire thing just felt more like a fever dream to me than most things. 
that's kind of where I'm at. I, I mean, I didn't really draw any conclusions other than like, oh, this guy got some expensive cameras. That's cool. He really likes... I don't know. He, it looks like he was like a really big fan of like justified or other like Western movies and like really likes like the, like the, the really dim lit lighting. I thought like the, the very final scene was like, I was literally laughing out loud when he was talking about, I understand the consequences of my actions. I've poured over this data and I'm ready for the haters and losers to come at me, bro. That's us. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it it, it is. And I really do want to meet this guy. If he's, you know, if he ever wants to go get some chocolate. And then, (laughs) and then, and then they, at the end, they make it seem like he's excommunicated because the church doesn't want this to get out. (laughs) When the screen, when the screen goes black and it says he was excommunicated. um, That's not why. Come on. He's no. like the fired for truth Google employee. Yeah, that that scene of him and like the dimly lit as he's like telling truths. Now that 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 had like President Bartlett in the cathedral sort of feeling to yes. it. Yes. <laughs> Incredible I just stuff. You in some way. Do you know what really bothered me too was like just how like ultra HD 4K this entire documentary was filmed in. It looked like it looked like this something that like like a a porn director would use to try to be cutting edge. The audio dub bothered me to know. <laughs> I, I didn't notice. I like you both mentioning like the ballistic test. I didn't notice a single thing about the production of this documentary. Oh my god! It was just that's the thing that bothered me the most was just how like ultra HD it was when it was filmed. It's like I don't need to see homeboys like every single whisker he possibly has i liked when they were like pointing to the gunshot yes and, like, Hiram, Hiram's face lit up. <laughs> i did like that i was into that i don't i mean i think it's an I, I think it's important in that we we don't really get a lot of mormon groups don't make their own documentaries so i think that's i think that's significant that people mormon groups that would otherwise kind of just disappear um are now making documentaries and trying to tell people their side of the story and people are joining and again i can't emphasize enough that we think this story is wild um but people there but there are people who are going to watch it and join yeah i was actually I actually was uh, kind of doing some spars, like Googling about it to just see who else was talking about it online too. And like, I somehow stumbled upon like the, the, the ex Mormon subreddit and they were talking like, well, hold on here. Let's hear them out. It's like, Oh no, 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 no. Yeah. I mean, it's true that like, you know, if you go to the far end of both extremes, suddenly it'll curve into a circle. And, and, and that's the incredible thing too. It's like, People on like say the ex Mormon subreddit are so poisoned by anything that's touched by the church they'll 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 believe most things that they're told about. It's like I can see ex Mormons, yeah, gr- grasping onto this narrative. Oh, absolutely. Because I mean, if you don't think the church is legitimate at any point, then you can see that the yeah. entirety of the history is illegitimate. So, yeah, and yeah. No matter how outlandish it might seem, like they can gloss onto it too. 
Yeah, I can absolutely see. I can absolutely see ex Mormons grabbing onto this story. Absolutely. Oh, I mean, I guess, yeah, that's, that's what I think what we can really glean from this is that like as ridiculous um, and far-fetched as a lot of this stuff sounds to, to us, it is a very real thing that people are starting to like glom onto and we can't as much as we want to just like scoff at it and, and paint it as something that, that is, you know, irrelevant or, or not worth any sort of attention. It's, that's not the case at all. And like, again, things are getting, I think as, as things continue in this country to get worse and worse and more and more divided, it, these are the type of things that are going to, going to continue to pop up. And I I think it's an important thing to kind of realize too, because I think for the most part, like predominant groups, like especially here in Utah with the church and all that, they love looking at history as like a straight line, but Every time right. you have like a hinge point at some point, whether it's Joseph dying, whether it's uh, polygamy being ended, whether it's the end of the priesthood ban, you're going to have those breakoffs at a certain point. Like the 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 right. the timeline will split at a certain point, and you'll have those little breakoff groups and everything like that. And it's kind of important to realize, like growing up in the church and all that too. Like my education, like within like seminary or within like going to services, never talked about like history as it should be told. And when people discover those things, they break in very interesting ways. And I just want to do a plug for um, the Joseph Smith papers. Um, it doesn't, you don't need conspiracies. No. There doesn't need to be a conspiracy. The Joseph Smith papers project has done, trim, like it. it's extraordinary. You don't have to, it's not transcriptions. It's not commentary. They have gone through and scanned Every single document, diary, journal, letter, correspondence, everything related to the life of Joseph Smith, it is up there in pictures. There's a, there is a transcription on the side because some, some of it is very difficult to read. Um, but you can read every single document related to the life of Joseph Smith. You, it, you don't need a conspiracy theory. Every, like, if you're interested in the changes to the Doctrine and Covenants during his life, the changes to the Book of Mormon, if you're interested in what he was writing in his private diary... You can see pictures of it online. The church has released them, the Joseph Smith papers. You don't need a conspiracy. You can just go and read them. And I think, uh, I think that's where we'll leave, uh, leave everyone. Christina, where can people find you? Uh, on Twitter in the nightmare. That is my, <laughs> my Twitter world. If you're interested in Mormon fundamentalism and also like, my Roman Catholic life on Twitter at Christina Marta R. Um, and I do a lot of writing with, uh, in dialogue and the journal Mormon history. I want to recommend to people who are interested in history. I'm just going to be this person come to the Mormon history association conference. If you're interested in Mormon history, um, in a way that is done by like trained historians who are doing this work really well, I want everyone to come to the Mormon history association and, learn about the history. We release a journal, the journal of Mormon history. You can read the articles <laughs> and, um, learn about it in a way that from people that are trained as historians. 
I, I definitely want to do that. I remember I uh, used to work for the special collections at the University of Utah. Awesome. And we'd have professors come in all the time too, especially who were working for the Mormon Historical Association. And like, they would just be like, hey, you want to come see some cool? Come over here and look at this. And there'd just be like minutes from like apostles meetings. And it's like the most like, they were the most like mean girl people ever I've seen. It's like... <laughs> It's a, it's a, like the Mormon history association. It's a great community. I mean, you don't have to be a historian. You don't have to have gone to college. You don't have to have any like background and we want you to be there and we want to talk to you about history and have you be part of the community. So, um, where, where do you usually meet up or anything like that? Cause I'm actually kind of interested in that. Uh, yeah. The next meeting we have is, so it's always in June. Um, the meeting that we have coming up is going to be in Logan. So it's like, it's super local to people. Um, it's usually just three days, and it's, it's, the program is online. It's a lot of fun. And people who, if you've like read rough stone rolling and you liked it, Richard Bushman's always there. <laughs> like you can just like tell them about the, tell them that it changed your life. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah. Well, there it is folks. <laughs> Christina, thank you so very much for joining us and going down this, uh, this rabbit hole, this roller coaster with us. Thanks for having me. Really appreciate it. This was great. Well, everyone, enjoy the rest of your evening or whenever you're listening to this. Take care. <laughs> Choose the left. <laughs> <laughs>